Hi and welcome back to another season of Wander with me, Barbara Flood. So for this new season, we've got poets from Afghanistan, the Democratic Republic of the Congo and Yemen, a Rohingyan poet, a Yazidi writer, and this week's guest, a Syrian-British poet of Kurdish origin called Amir Darwish. Wander, funded by the Arts Council of Ireland. Amir Darwish has published two collections of poetry, Don't Forget the Couscous and Dear Refugee, and the first part of his autobiography, From Aleppo Without Love. We talk about love and solidarity, the poets Rumi, Salim Barakat and Adunas, the challenges of writing about trauma and injustice, and what he calls his efforts to humanise attitudes towards refugees. He also talks about his approach to writing and why he keeps the spirit of Aleppo alive in his poetry. I think it's interesting as well that Amir came to Britain on the underside of a lorry in 2003 and his writing about the refugee experience is grounded in a personal awareness, understanding and empathy. Amir recently became books editor of The Other Side of Hope and he starts off by telling me a little bit about this new magazine. This is Amir Darwish. They collect literature from refugees around the world, uh, whether it's fiction, non-fiction, poetry. Uh, everybody involved is of refugee or immigrant background, and it's a wonderful project to to, to initiate. And they're going into their second year now. And that's when they approached me to become the editor of the book reviews and also of the author interviews. It's an interesting work and uh, it reflects the experiences of uh, human beings. They became refugees and immigrants and put in all these categories. But deep, deep down, they are just just like everyone else, they're writers, they want to express themselves, they want to write about their experiences. Would you have any advice specifically for writers who are from refugee backgrounds in terms of advice or support or whatever? I would say to read about about refugees' background and writers of refugee background, immigrant background, that's the first step. If someone wants to write about something, they've got to read around it. So reading about the experiences of the previous refugees and immigrants and how how they came to be the people they are, that's a that's a uh, first step perhaps. And after that, the authenticity of of the writing, uh, perhaps to come forward or to the fore as much as possible, uh, stating the experience as as they were. Uh, stating the circumstances as they were and uh, being as authentic as as, uh, as possible. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, it can be hard sometimes because obviously there's details you mightn't want to reveal, especially nowadays in the climate nowadays. And this is why I, I, I put the line under authenticity. If, uh, if a writer, for example, there was still that kind of fear inside him or her about what if I put this and this will offend others or will not offend or this is too much information about my personal life. Perhaps 
they can they can redo the piece and adjust it. Yeah, like you can change minor details or whatever to protect people. Yes, and uh, of course, many writers saw it under pseudonyms without having to reveal their real identity. Uh, the famous uh, Syrian poet Adonis, that was not his real name, but he went on to become the Arab world's most famous poets at the moment, and he's still sticking to that name. What other poets um, from Syria, especially of Kurdish backgrounds, would be an influence on you? I think of Kurdish background, uh, there's a living poet, Salim Barakat, although he uses very complex language and very uh, hard to follow sometimes, but he, he, he he's, a, he's a Kurdish poet who has an influence on me and he has an influence also on many uh, other fellow Syrians and fellow Kurds. Okay, brilliant. It's just good to get some recommendations for listeners here. Do you ever write in Arabic as well, or is are you always in English? It's always in English. I I have a few attempts in Arabic, but they are not that good. I feel English is giving me more freedom of expression, and I I write in English, but I include some Arabic words in in English. Sometimes the Arabic word describes it better than the English one. And because the thinking process in my head always happening in the, in the mother language, but then I write in the foreign language. So some words stick to their meaning. They don't want to change in my head. Yes, yeah. Will you tell me a little bit about, maybe say the first book, um, Don't Forget the Couscous? Yeah. So most of the book, theme is about refugees, immigrants, and asylum seekers, and how how they, they can be humanized more than a figure, or more than just a number being put in a paper or uh, on a page. It was more an attempt to, to humanize these people who are, they are human at the end of the day, with feelings, uh, and emotions they hate, they love, they like, they dislike, etc. And yeah, that that was my aim from it. That's why it's very important to have people from refugee backgrounds writing themselves and being published. Yes, absolutely. Someone from a refugee background writing, and not only writing, writing in the language of the host country, and to to make a point that this is exactly how these people feel, for example. I, I'm not self-appointed person for all the refugees, but I'm speaking from my own experience. And would you describe yourself as a refugee poet, or do you think that's a bit reductive? Uh, I don't mind being described as a refugee poet, uh, because at the end of the day, I am a refugee. This status is stuck with me uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, I've been in exile since the late 1990s, uh, and then I ended up in Europe, in England, and I became a refugee. So I, 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 I don't mind that, alongside other descriptions, of course. Originally a Kurd, a Syrian, a refugee, a male, but at the top of the pyramid, I'm a human. Most important thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
do you think there's more that writers or editors more, I suppose, and critics can do to make space for marginalised voices and refugee voices? Yeah, the space is uh, still uh, vacant and still not finding its foot in the literature world. So, uh, although there are there are good attempts and there are a big literature on refugees and people who were sent into exile and wrote about their stories, wrote poetry, but specific projects working towards uh, informing the public and uh, transferring knowledge to the public about the lives of refugees, there is a shortage in that, I think, yes. What do you think could be done? I mean, maybe more funding towards it, when there's a refugee, uh, somebody from a refugee background being the editor or something, or, or, or what, what way do you think they could make it better? Yeah, well, funding is one thing, uh, because funding is going to provide the platform to initiate projects. Uh, editors are needed. Uh, writers of refugee background need to be encouraged more to write about their experiences and bring it to light and include it not only title it refugee literature, but maybe include it in the literature in general, where they can understand that these writers are also writers. They don't have to be given the title only and given that category, but they are writers just like everyone else. Would you read a poem for me? Sure. I will read a poem from my latest collection, which is Dear Refugee. And this poem is, after seeing so many refugees coming, and they are asked the question, where do you come from? That cliche question of where do you come from? And how can someone who came from a tough and really struggling uh, background until they reached their destination? I thought about that question and I wrote a poem called Where I Come From. From the earth I come, from the heart of Africa, from the kidneys of Asia, from India with its spices I come, from a deep Amazonian forest, from a Tibetan meadow I come, from an ivory land, from far away. From everywhere around me, from where there are trees, mountains, rivers, and seas, from here, there, and everywhere, from the womb of the Mediterranean I come, from a mental scar, from closed borders, from a camp with a thousand tents, from a bullet wound, from the face of a lonely child, from a single mother's side, from a hole in an inflatable boat about to sink, from a bottle of water for fifty to share, from frozen snot in it was, from the tear on the father's cheek, from a hungry stomach, from a graffiti that reads, I was here once, from a missing limb, like a human I come to share the space.
Do you ever get pissed off having to say this constantly? About the question of where I come from. Well, I got pissed off to the point of writing that poem. So it's kind of a, a response to the to the question and answer, providing an answer for that question. So if you want to know where I come from, this is my answer. I come from struggle, from pain, from misery, from all these experiences. And that's why I I put it forward to you in this way. Just about writing about suffering and pain and trauma, especially, how do you, how do you approach that in terms of your own mental health and also in terms of your craft and your writing? Well, it's very hard and difficult. It, it doesn't get easier. It gets wo- uh, worse even, or more challenging rather. That's the right word. In terms of my mental health, it does help me. Uh, as in the writing a response to something happening uh, it's a cathartic way uh, and it's a psychologically healing for me and I, I find it really helpful that to put a, a poem uh, forward for for people to read and get the point and say ah so this is this is exactly how 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 it happened this is exactly how he felt or this is exactly how how things went in his life or in their life or whatever. Yeah. We want to live on the margin of a forgotten camp. We want to live with pain, with sadness, with agony, with the trauma. We want to live with or without food. We want to live, with thirst, with enemies or without them. We still want to live. Under a torn tent, leaking rain at night, we want to live. We want to live. At the long queues for clothes, we want to live. With every step we take towards death, we want to live. With every tree we pass, with every pride swallowed, We want to live, with or without our children, we want to live, with or without our parents, we want to live, we want to live because we love life. Do you ever get um, just fed up with the lack of of being heard you know just that it seems like things are actually getting a bit worse I get frustrated sometimes with that concern that I'm not heard enough the voice is not being delivered in the best way possible or not reaching wider audiences Uh, and that connects to your other question how can we put forward a way for people to for of refugee background to deliver their voice. Not necessarily also the refugee people to get involved, but the indigenous people, the local people, the host people. Yeah. We need solidarity with each other. Solidarity and the basic the basic nature of a human. We're not designed to live to live alone. We're designed to live as 
type of animals who are mammals who, who want to live with others. So that's the best way of going about it, I guess. Yeah, I've seen your poetry described as love poetry as well, a lot. I adore the idea of love. Love as not in, in the romantic way, and the romantics have looked at it in the 19th century, where everything is rosy and telepathy happening between lovers and all of that, but rather the love as a practice between people. It's a, f- a f- physical interaction learning from each other, both being the teachers and both being the pupils or the students and people in general being the teachers of each other about love and being also the the students of love. And that's how, how it will grow. Uh, yeah. Do you have a poem maybe uh, kind of on the, that, that kind of a theme? or, or... Yeah. Yeah? Yes. Uh... Uh, There's a short poem that's called If I Ever See Love. If I ever see love wandering alone, I will take it in, make my heart its home and my eyes its window to the world. I will keep it there forever and ever and ever. That's a poem about love and I've written other poems about love. Love in its concept as in not between lovers as such or two people loving each other and ending up in a relationship. Uh, but love in its general meaning. Love the, the parents, the love of the children, the grandparents, the love of nature, the love of uh, scenery, just love in general. Rumi uh, had a big influence on me since my childhood. His concept and idea of love uh, was fantastic. And the way he put it, he put it so simply and uh, in a modest way for everyone to understand. Not long ago, he was the most sold poet in, in the States. And that was only a few years ago. And the man lived centuries away from, from us and technology and everything. And that, that tell us that love is universal and fitting for all time and places and all people as well. Mm. Love beyond borders and uh, whatever man-made things we keep putting up. Yes, beyond borders, beyond documents sometimes to cross these borders, passports, ID cards or whatever. It's just universal feeling. Are you living long enough now in the UK that your traveling is, is easier now? Uh, you mean uh, traveling for me is easier now as I am in the UK? Yeah, yeah, or is it still, do you still have passel? Do you still have trouble moving around? Um, I don't have trouble moving around uh, because I'm a British citizen now. I do, I do sometimes worry about my fellow immigrants and fellow uh, refugees and asylum seekers, they are restricted. They can go to certain places, but they can't go to other places. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy I can, I can, I can travel and go wherever I like at the moment. That's, that's a pleasure. Yeah. 
do you describe yourself then as British Syrian or Syrian British or or what way would you? Uh, I'm I'm British Syrian poet of Kurdish origin, to fit and make everyone happy. <laughs> <laughs> to fit all categories and make everyone happy and make me happy, uh, as well because I don't want to lose, uh, some part of my identity. This is what made me, and this is uh who I am. Will you read another poem? Yeah, uh, I want to read a poem about the theme of home and the city where I grew up. So, if you recall, Aleppo was raised to the ground uh, in recent years. And I refused to accept that. I wanted to keep it alive, just like I, how I saw it. Just like how I loved it. Just like how I walked in its streets and saw its buildings, smelt its uh, jasmines and all of that. So this is a response to keep it alive. And I called it, I feel I should speak of the city. I feel like I should speak of the city, of its roads, alleys, streets and shops assembled in line with their bumpy stone path, striking reflexology pulses into feet. Of the castle that never sleeps, keeping lovers near it tattooed to its heels, of coffee shops, and that strike laughter into ears on each card played, each tea glass dinned in on the table, and each ringing phones as heads turned towards passing beauties. It is the city where sellers of cakes roll their chariots and shout, move before I strike your billy, of the barbers who roll strings on fingers, Threading, pulling and pushing back and forth, unplucking hairs as they wave to passers, Assalamu alaikum. Of the children on Eid, and their colorful clothing, toy pistol guns, polished shoes, tiny fingers as they kiss the hand of the elders and run to feast, and the Arabian sweets, and kunafa, and kubba, and vine leaves, and shawarma combined with hummus, melting into the hands of taxi drivers as they swing their tasbih and say, Where rayah ya halu? The vegetables and mountains of tomatoes, mandarins, apples, and the red blood-like half figs next to dangling bananas. Of the smoothie sellers, their non-stop mixers and their boys collecting money flipping 25 Syrian lira in the air and catching it in their pockets. Yes, it is the city and its trees, the leaves, the roundabouts in it, and the smell of petrol as they mix with hot summer burning Middle Eastern sun, the beauty of girls as they speak, catwalk, adjust their yashmaks, remove their anklets, smell their lovers' handkerchiefs, cry as they nudge one another sheepishly and point out cute boys they are promised to. It is the shining marble at Limeridian Hotel in Aleppo that has stripes of gold reflecting the giant chandelier above. As I move my head back and forth, it gets closer and further from me. The narrative of mothers, lecturing fathers, 
the cruelty of brothers, loving sisters, emotional lecturers, all as they gather around giant Ramadan banquets. Of lentil soup, as it strikes hot smoke into the eyes of those who love it most, and blow air into spoonful of hot boiled sage before giving it to babies. And the long queues in Aleppo Central Park for weekenders to buy boiled corns, spray them salt, take the first bite and spit it out. Oh, it's too hot. Of the ticketing offices and their touch-me-not secretaries who headhunt tourists from their dark brown smooth firm office desks. Of each corner, each turn, each give and take haggling in bazaars and each wool seller in the medina as he mixes red with the green over blue and white to attract the veiled eyes of his lover, and of old man and their wrinkled hands as they place one over another, close their eyes and pray at Zakaria Mosque, losing themselves in spirituality. I speak of Aleppo City. Beautiful poem. Thank you. I really appreciate you talking to me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for inviting me for this. That was Amir Darwish, and the poem he read there, I Feel I Should Speak of the City, can be found in Dear Refugee, published by Smokestack Books. This and his other poetry book, Don't Forget the Couscous, are beautiful collections which really delve into his experiences and explore the many different aspects of love, exile and seeking refuge. I'd highly recommend getting them and having a read. I'll put links in with the episode. I'll also put a link to the magazine Amir is books editor of. It's called The Other Side of Hope, a UK-based literary magazine edited by refugees and immigrants. They also put out regular calls for submissions, so follow them at Other Side of Hope. And you can also follow Amir at Darwish underscore Amir. A huge thanks to Amir Darwish for sharing his poetry with us. Thanks to the Arts Council of Ireland for funding this podcast again. And thank you for listening. See you next week for another episode from me, Barbara Flood. <laughs>